0: I'm your host, Rob Carbone This is BD4 Here's Darren, some shake and bang, three it like three or four times now where the Knicks have won on the same night where the Yankees have lost <laughs> at some point it's not going to be a joking matter if this keeps up you know out of all this losing that the Yankees have done so far it's not even the I mean it's, it's a big concern the play on the field is a big concern But, and I hate to go here already, but it's something I've been hitting on for the past several years since they've been missing that deep playoff run every year. It's, it's the leadership. It's the man who has to sit in the booth after every game and speak to the media about why his team is underachieving. That's where my biggest concern lies. And today, you know, I've let it fly. I've let it, whatever. I've gotten so used to his laid back, buddy, buddy, friendly style of, of I and mean, I put this in quotes, managing, because the guy's basically just a puppet. But today, I mean, Aaron Judge misplays a ball. In right field, that he plays too conservatively. It stretches a single into a triple. Late in the game, or sometime, middle maybe. Point besides, he misplays a ball that stretches a single into a triple. And I'm sitting here watching the post-game presser. And, you know, again, I'm so used to it. You know, Aaron Boone, time after time, after we see Gary Sanchez's lapses in the field and uh, run the bases, make compliments and excuses for him. Today, just, it really irked me. It really irked me. Because I was listening to it, and and don't quote me word for word because I don't exactly remember the exact specifics, but I do remember enough because it irked me that much. Basically complimenting Judge on getting after it. Again, Judge misplays a ball that he played too conservatively. And here's Boone, great play by Judgey, getting after that one. If that doesn't speak on who this team has leading the way, I mean, I, I just, I just don't know what else to tell you. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where they go from here. Like. He's th- he's there. And he's there to stay. Because he was there. The reason he's there is for that exact reason. It's because the Yankees wanted a guy who could speak friendly to the media and who could be that communicator to his players and be friendly with them. They didn't want a traditional manager. They want a guy who fits the embodiment of the athlete in today, the modern athlete. Somebody who coddles them. Somebody who makes them feel entitled. And Aaron Boone is the absolute perfect manager for this Yankees team. If you're looking at it in that aspect. Perfect manager. I mean, I'm just I'm just, I I, I can't say I'm sick of it anymore because I'm beyond that. I was sick of it the second we lost um, a postseason game with him. And, and, and he starts putting pos- positive spins on everything. And since then, it's been the same thing every single game, every single year. He's constantly trying to make things positive and spin it that way when he should not. When sometimes he just has to say it straight up. And it's it's that's the thing. This guy doesn't have to go out there and rip his team and diss them all. Because that's the that's the false narrative. That's the fake notion that people get. When you say, you know, when when, when fans criticize Aaron Boone, the other half will get on you and go, Well, nobody wants somebody who criticizes their team. Nobody's asking him to sit there and, and diss Gary Sanchez for doing whatever or or diss Aaron Judge for playing a ball too lightly. Nobody's asking him to, to do that. But they're asking him to sometimes speak the truth, say it how it is, and, and, and maybe some, some urgency. You know, sometimes it's not bad to not exactly compliment your team and and kind of, you know, wake them up a little with what you say. That, that We're losing the true meaning of leadership. Like, leadership, you're supposed... Like you go back and I always look at like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace. Kobe Bryant was the perfect embodiment of who a leader was on the floor. He would push his teammates so much to where people thought he was a terrible, like fans thought this guy was a terrible, terrible leader because he would almost like you see these clips of him pushing his guys in the gym. You would think he's the coach on that team. You know, I I could never, even in, in, in no way, in no way am I comparing the Knicks organization to the Yankees. But I could never, ever imagine Tom Thibodeau complimenting Randall for, you know, committing a poor turnover and then chasing it down afterwards and not getting it, but him complimenting him. I could never imagine Thibodeau saying something like that, you know. Could you could you imagine Tom Thibodeau going, Oh, uh, you know, Julius Randle turned it over in the last five seconds to decide the game, but you know, he made a good effort going after it despite still turning it over. Or at any point in the game. It doesn't matter. Thibodeau would not put a positive spin on it. Thibodeau is a guy who gets on his team and who makes them work. He's never happy. That famous quote he, he said earlier in the year, I'm not happy unless I'm miserable. Well, look at this. He's turned a, you know, a pathetic Knicks team for years, years and years and years into a playoff contender just by becoming the heck just like that. And he's pressing them, and he's getting the best out of them because he pushes them hard, and he has a sense of urgency. He has fire. And here's Aaron Boone complimenting guys, putting positive spins on things that should not be putting, getting positive compliments on, but things that you need. Sometimes you need to hear the truth, even just a little bit. I'm just sick. I am really sick and tired of it all. I am. I'm just... I, it's the lack of motivation. They just... The team is so... It, it's... I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I just... I just... They're going to make me lose it someday. I. I mean, if I haven't lost it already, to be honest with you, I don't know what this is. But they're going to make me go beyond that. Just a, a bozo. Never been a fan of him. And, you know, I thought he would grow on me somewhat. But he's he's honestly been going, somehow, been going down further and further since he's been here. And since he's been here, guys haven't exactly been trending upwards. Gary Sanchez's career has taken a downhill path. Gleber Torres I'm not going to I'm not going to go there yet but he's not exactly going uphill uh, the last couple of seasons he's kind of going downhill right now he had a terrible regular season last year and he's off to a, an even worse start this season doesn't look the it doesn't look the bit a bit the slightest bit different on the defensive end his offense still hasn't came around It just, the leadership is such, leadership is so important, man. It starts at the top. And if you're a guy who's just too laid back, a little too much, that's going to domino effect and your team's going to feel that and they're going to go out there and take that out on the field. And that's what the Yankees are doing right now. You know, I was watching the Michael K. show earlier and he was nailing it. He really was. Um, They were talking about load management in the NBA Right, how Because the, they were bringing up the Nets Sixers tonight, right? You got two Eastern Conference teams, so this could be your ECF Finals preview. You know, but he was bringing up how they were sitting Kevin Durant. They were sitting James Harden. They were sitting Blake Griffin. They were sitting LaMarcus Aldridge. And he was rightfully, rightly rip, ripping them. He was ripping into them. Saying how it's a big rip off for the fans who go and pay to see this game for the big networks that put them on and pay this money, you know, how the whole thing started with Kawhi, you know, when he was with the Spurs and he was referencing, you know, you don't see this shit with, with some other, with hockey. You don't see hockey players do that shit. You know, look at MMA. You think MMA guys are, are, are soft like that. Guys fight with broken noses in hockey and MMA, but he was bringing up load management. Right, And I, I loved it. I loved it. I was very surprised he was actually hitting. I I thought K was the guy who was kind of for all this. um. But no. And then, and then he was talking about how Nash was asked about KD sitting out tonight. And he goes, oh, he's exhausted from the Wolves game. Are you kidding me? We're playing 20 minutes against the Timberwolves? 20 minutes. He played 20-something minutes against the Wolves on an afternoon game the other day. And that's what Nash comes up with. He was exhausted. He was exhausted from the Wolves game. Kevin Durant was exhausted from playing a bottom feeder for 20 minutes. Give me a break. And that's what I'm saying. That's where we are. Where today's modern athlete can no longer be criticized by their superior. They have to be coddled. You have to talk nicely about them or your job is in jeopardy. And so I just thought that related to, to what the Yankees are, where the Yankees are with Aaron Boone. And he was making some really good points on the Yankees, too. Now, usually, or, you know, sometimes, I guess, I don't agree with Kay on a lot of things when it comes to the Yankees. But he was, you know, they were talking on Cashman and how his, this was more LaGreca, but how Cashman's biggest weakness is, let's be honest, is grooming and developing pitching. Right Over the years, we have had to go out and get our pitchers from other markets. We haven't exactly developed top-notch pitching from our own organization. And that's one of Cashman's biggest weaknesses. And, you know, they were just saying how the Yankees just aren't playing good baseball right now. And you know who does play good baseball? The Tampa Bay Rays. They are fundamentally crisp. They play defense. They run. They can run the bases. They pitch. They get the best out of their lineup with the lack of talent. (laughs) Here the Yankees are. On paper, they look like a World Series contender to most people. They're leading the league in, in uh, ground ball into double plays. They're extremely sloppy in the field. They're extremely sloppy on the bases. You had Gary last night. You had Gardy the other night. You have DJ and Gio even making a few errors in the field this year already. You Obviously, you've got Torres, who's made a few late blunders in the season already. Judge not even going 100% in the field because he doesn't want to get hurt. Are you kidding me? That's, that's Aaron judge is playing conservatively out there. Clearly playing conservatively. You watch him make some of these throws. You watch him go after some of these balls. There was the one today, but there was also the one the other day when he was running towards the foul line and he's going out there and you can clearly see he's trying to take it easy in the field. He doesn't want to go 100% because he fears he will get hurt and he probably will. He's a big dude. He lands on those ribs or the oblique. You know, I get it. 280 something pounds of muscle land down on a hard surface. But that's my issue. Are we are, are we are we supposed to pay this guy next year at age 30? We're supposed to pay this guy to be the face of our franchise? Judge is built like a a superhuman, but he sure as shit ain't one. I mean, it starts at the top. I'm sorry. The guys just don't have the mentality. They don't have the fight. They don't have the grit. They don't have the toughness. Glaber Torres is sitting because he jammed his finger. Aaron Hicks wants to get political, and he sits because he's mentally exhausted from something that has nothing to do and he's and he's back tonight like they just the, a jam, a jammed a jammed finger a jammed finger is the reason you're going to sit out a baseball game when your team is struggling out of the gate here and everybody's struggling everybody top and down up and down that lineup dj LeMayu, he's not hitting 700 yet you know, he's striking out a lot. He had a three-strikeout game. He's had a couple of multi-strikeout games. He's hitting into a lot of double plays late in the games when he's got runners on base for him. Giancarlo Stanton looks terrible. I mean, he's starting to swing at that slider loan away again. He's not exactly taking pitches like he was last postseason and bringing that impeccable play discipline that I loved so much and thought was going to carry over. No, he looks terrible. I think he's still below the Mendoza. He had a couple of good games in a row during that O-Series, the Orioles. Right? Wasn't it the Orioles where he grand slammed? Regardless, he's not doing well. We talked about Torres. Bad on both ends. Lazy at-bats, getting under every pitch and popping up. If he's not popping up, he's striking out. He's had a couple of hits, you know, sprayed around, but he's not producing consistently. Gio has been fine. Not the same, but he's been fine. You can lay off Geo. Um, Jay Jay Bruce is making you know Chris Carter and Shane Robinson look like triple crown candidates right now. Those guys are fucking pathetic. Jay Bruce is beyond whatever pathetic is right now. They gotta get rid of this guy. Odor? it's early. But he doesn't exactly look great. He looks... These, These two guys, Odor and Bruce, look exactly how I thought they were going to look. Aaron Hicks. Does he look great? No. Not from the left side of the plate. Nope. Nope. And the arm doesn't look like it's exactly crisp coming off of that Tommy John surgery. These guys look really, really bad. Clint Frazier out here on a short leash. And he's not producing at all. Brett Gardner's been okay. Um... Judge has been good. He hit the two dingers today. Gary's been fine. Starting, to, you know, he's been up and down a bit, but he's been fine. He's not been dreadful like usual to start the season. Higgy's been good, but everybody else outside of those, you know, select few guys who aren't really hot either. Like the guys who've been good have just been decent, and the guys who haven't been good have been really bad. And it's too many of those guys. We have too many guys who are just slumping. And then you go over to the rotation, <clears throat> excuse me. Then you go over to the rotation. You look at this staff, the starting five that we have. And, you know, what was I saying? What was I saying? My exact concern heading into the year. And now everybody wants to say, it. now everybody's saying it. It's what do you have? I was saying this the entire time. What do you have outside of Garrett Cole? Remember my whole thing about about reliability, right? My whole thing about trust. What do you have outside Garrett Cole? Who can you look at and say, oh, they could probably give me six strong consistently. You don't have that. Now, we can say for now, Montgomery's been fine, right? He's been fine. He won six in his opening start. The next one, he went out there and wasn't exactly right, but he grinded through five. Okay, sure. But you got Corey Kluber, who I don't know what Yankees fans were expecting from this guy, but you get a 35-year-old coming off a, a big injury, hasn't pitched in two seasons, and you're getting exactly what I thought you would get. You get Jameson Tyone, a very similar scenario. You had Domingo Herman hasn't pitched the entire year last year. Hadn't. He gets demoted after two horrible starts where he's just given up batting practice home runs. And we're already looking at a potential bullpen day on Saturday, not even two weeks into the season. I think it'll be two weeks exactly on Saturday. The rotation's not good. You don't have Reliability. Outside of Garrett Cole, there's nobody else. Again, Montgomery's been good. He's been s- solid, fine. But who? But is fine, is solid, decent? Is that enough to to be called a one A to Cole or B or whatever you want to say or number two? Montgomery's gonna be a fine pitcher, but I think most fans expect him to be a number three slash number four. I I hope they're not relying on a thirty five year old Kluber who's out here throwing. 91-mile-an-hour you know, meatball fastballs. Topping out at that. Are they relying on Jameson Tyone, who hasn't exactly had a deep resume of success? He's been injured for the majority of his career, and he's had some up-and-down years when he was semi-healthy. <laughs> These guys can't give you more than four innings. And when you're bullpen consists of Lucas Litke. finally said it right by the way I finally got the name right I, I heard it today and I was okay it's Litkey. but when your Bopen consisting of Lucas Litke, Nick Nelson Luis Sessa Albert Abreu who was sent down today Johnny Lasagna when those guys are your biggest strength that's a problem that is a big fucking problem Because how much longer, and again, they've been great so far, but the point is how much longer can a bunch of unproven prospects and middling journeymen give you 15 to 20 outs per night? How long is that going to be sustainable? It's not exactly been sustainable right now. We're sitting here five and seven. Five and seven? I want to say five and seven. I mean, they, they, the Yankees really sat here in the winter. They really sat there, and they tried to sell you on, they, they tried to pathetically sell you this pitch that this team right here, this team that's been losing in the playoffs every year, will drastically improve. Being pretty much the same exact team with the addition of a couple of has-beens and some injury-riddled pitchers. That's what they tried to sell you on. That right there. And you all bought it. And you all jump right on it, you bought the Kool-Aid, you drank it all, and you jump right on that bandwagon, and you rode with it. You rode down avenues. You were cruising with that narrative. Like you do every year. And I don't blame you, you're excited. But the, the good thing about being a, I'm going to put myself in quotes here, pessimist, a uh, pessimist, is that you look at the reality of things a lot. You can get a little too negative at times when you may not should. I don't know what I just said there. You can look at the, the the negative at times when you probably shouldn't. But a lot of times, a lot of the times, you know, at least more than a, uh, an optimist would, you look at the reality of some situations. And that's what I like to do. And I don't, I don't consider myself a pessimist. I consider myself more of a realist. More of a realist than I am anything else. And I'm looking at the reality of these situations here. And it's all... Playing out so far, it is early. But it's playing out exactly how I expected it to play out. The rotation is a concern. The lineup is going to be streaky. Now, the lineup, I think, will eventually catch the rhythm. At least as far as the regular season goes. Um, but but they still are poor in the fundamentals department, right? They're not a good defensive team. They're not good on the bases. They lack that IQ. And their pitching is... is their starting staff is concerning to say the least, and again, that bullpen—I'm not exactly expecting them to remain a top bullpen in the game with who, with what little names they have in there, outside of Green and Chap. It's—it's, you know—it's it's bad. It's bad. Let's head to our first break, guys. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, or subscribed to my blog, or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. You know, I was texting my buddy earlier, or or I went to check my phone after the Yankees lost Game 3 of the series. The rubber game. And (laughs) I was just laughing my ass off at it because I go and check my phone and my buddy texts me uh, about the game. You know, he goes, I just got back into my office. They lost. What happened? My buddy Greg. He goes, I just got back into my office. They lost. What happened? Then he comes with another one. He he shot me a series of texts. It was just the the hilarious, the most funniest uh, sequence ever. I just got back in my office. What happened? I saw they lost. Then I get another one. Damn. Then I get, then I get Kluber only four innings. Well, at least Judge was good. Does Jay Bruce suck? <laughs> I'm like, yep. That's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. There's so many things to talk about right now. I just, I, it's, I was just laughing at that. I'm like, <laughs> yep. So many storylines you could follow right now because that's how much. Uh, that's how that's how awful we've been. That's how awful of a start we've gotten off to. But yeah, I was I was fucking dying at that. Just a series of different storylines does this happen to that this that yeah pretty much that's exactly what's going on right now in our all of our heads we can't even think straight because so many things are going so wrong it's uh it's uh what what, what our old pal used to say who i miss very much now it's not what you want <laughs> it's definitely not what you want nope game one uh yankees win this one three to one to the jays um, again, they, they playing in, uh, Dunedin, by the way, which I, I completely butchered it in the last episode we had with the Yankees. I, uh, completely butchered it. I did not say Dunedin. I did not say Dunedin. I'm not going to embarrass myself and say what I said, but during, I, I I certainly did not say Dunedin. Um, lose three to one. Oh no, I'm sorry. We win. We win three. See, all this losing has just got me to think we lose every game. Uh, we win three to one against the Jays and, um. We, you know, we get a pair of blasts from Higgy and that was about it. That was really all we had on the offensive end. Uh, you know, we produced all three of those runs off Higgy's bat. Um, you know, so, and, and we're, we're lucky to have, Yankees are really lucky to have gotten some real solid, really solid backup catchers over the last several years. You know, I was a big fan of uh, Cervelli. He was a gobble goal, so I was kinda of biased there, but he was also a good hitter. He was he was you know he's a guy who hit the ball for them. Roman, same thing. You know. I was a fan of Roman. Um, especially once he started hitting the ball. Kyle Higashioka now. I mean, this guy's been good. The last couple of seasons he's had pop, and there was a stat I saw. He he destroys the Toronto Jays. <laughs> Didn't he that, that that uh that three home run game he had against them last year was against the Jays. Had against them last year it was against dude. I can't I can't think straight tonight, and I'm gonna point that to the Yankees. I'm gonna blame that on them. They just got me thinking left and right about so many things that I want to talk about. Um, sir, uh, Cervelli, uh, Cole pitches this game one. Um, he goes six six strong shutout frames, eight strikeouts, working well with with um personal catcher Kyle Higashioka who again again this is just another thing that irks me about Boone he doesn't come out and say it he just just say it boone he's your he's his personal catcher he's the personal catcher you don't have to dance around this one it's funny though cuz they were saying it like all all camp long all winter long how they wanted Gary and Cole to become a thing more this year but here we are two out of the three starts and you look at the numbers they're pretty telling that he does pitch better with Higgy. And so, again, you know, and this was more of like a, a, not down game, but it was more of a less dominant game from Cole, but he still gave six really good shutout innings against this Jays team. Um, were they shutout? No, I don't think they were shutout. I think he allowed one run. So. Um... Yeah, but he yeah six innings one run uh, eight strikeouts a walk he was fucking great four you know four hits he he was good he was good you know for for a a down outing he was good but yeah it's like why doesn't Boone just say that shit already he dances around every so many phrases he'll dance around there are a number of phrases we should really go in and dig deep into it and look but there are a, a ton of things he doesn't like to say. I don't know if it's ego. I don't know if it's they don't want to give away their hand or whatever. I don't know. But dude, just hate already. He's the personal catcher. It's obvious. But so Cole starts. uh, He doesn't look good to start. Um, You know, kind of like last time he faced the Jays on opening day. But, you know, Robbie Ray retires the Yanks 1-2-3. Cole comes and he struggles a bit in the bottom of the first. Um, He lets up two one-out singles through the right side of the infield. And then he um, gets an 0-1. Count to Gritchick, and he spikes the uh, a curveball, and this advance, it advanced Vlad Jr. to second base. Then you have Gritchick on, you know, maybe the next pitch, he slaps a, a roller to shortstop, that scores a run, and you have one zip chase. Second inning, you know, you get off to a similar slow start, where Cole walks Gurriel, and then he lets up a hit to uh fucking DJ Khaled. Who had his first hit of the year, and he had a couple of hits in this fucking series because the Yankees couldn't figure out a way to get this fucking guy out. But Telez hits um picks up his first hit. So you have no outs and two men on base against Cole. And then it looked like that pissed him off and he turned on the Jets. He turned it on. That's when Cole struck out the next three hitters. You know, he Kirk went down on three pitches. Semyon went down on five pitches with a changeup. And then in between those two, he got the lefty, I forget the kid's name, Josh something, but he gets him to look absolutely silly on a, on a filthy two pitch sequence, a slider heater sequence, getting him to go down easily. So three strikeouts there. And then he goes, he goes on just a, a a tear from there. You know, he no hits the Jays for the remainder of his time out there. I think it was 15 in a row. To finish out the night before Boone went uh, Wilson O'Day Chapman in the final three. And things got a bit tense for a few innings there in the end, uh, but we worked out of it. Those three got the job done in the end. Uh, Chapman got a generous, a very generous strike three call to end the game there, but Yanks win. And it looks like, okay, maybe we're turning some things around here. (laughs) Then you get to game two of the series and we take just a gut punch seven to three loss. Um. Jamison Tyone, completely empty. Three and two-thirds, five earned runs. Stuff looked good, but who really cares? He was just not good. The results weren't good. Um, You know, he got hurt by Simeon. We we were letting everybody just bang him off of us. Simeon, Guerrero, Khaled again, um, Grichik, and that kid, the rookie. Palacio, maybe? Josh Palacio, um, yeah, and on the other end, we're just lying down and dying, basically, uh, versus Ryu, again, and is a damn solid pitcher, I wish we had him on our squad, but um, he goes six and two-thirds, one run, getting some more soft contact on us, we just can't get anything hard on him, basically dead the entire way, yeah, he's getting some generous calls. Um, and I thought that was where Boone should have gotten tossed or something. The Yankees were barking at this on ball night, all night. I mean, this guy had a wide zone, and guys were complaining in the dugout. You know, you could hear it, especially with the with the. You could hear it in the in the stands. You know, with less crowd, you could hear more individual voices. Everybody was just barking at this guy because he was very he wasn't he wasn't a consistent umpire, and. I thought that would have been a perfect moment for Boone to go out there and fire this fucking team out. Light a fire under their ass, you know? One of those savages-in-the-box things. Even DJ The Mayhew almost got tossed for arguing a fucking pitch. And it was a strike he was arguing, but even he almost got fucking tossed. I mean, I... I thought that should have been a perfect spot. But he didn't, of course, because he rarely, rarely goes out there and argues because he doesn't have a sense of urgency he's Aaron Boone um and in the seventh we kind of you know Sanchez reaches on a throwing error um and eventually scores off of Odor's ground out that's how we score a throwing error and a you know a double and then a ground out a 6-1 score after seven innings and the eighth comes and we finally you know start looking alive here we actually get some hits to fall you get the stanton single uh to center field that scores two runs so we cut the deficit in half six to three gary sanchez then walks so it's first and second with gary and stanton on with two outs hicks at the plate representing the tying run and then a ball gets somewhat past jansen and you have gary sanchez getting caught in a fucking rundown from first to second. This ends the inning. It ends the Yankees' only chance at a rally, and eventually they go down losing 6-3 to because of that one play. And Katie Sharp put out a tweet on Twitter um, entering the game that said the Yanks entering that game are second in the majors. This is entering game two against the Jays. Second in the majors with five base running outs on the year not including caught stealings or pickups uh oh, pickoffs second in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I said, like I said at the top. There is no there are no fundamentals with this Yankees unit. And it's been like this for a bit. This is what happens when you make everything about the home run. This is what happens. They probably don't even practice anything else but BP. They probably don't it, it, this is what happens when you're tired you know, team is based off winning games by hitting home runs. You're going to be a one dimensional, a boring one dimensional club who can't play real baseball. The Yankees do not do the little things right. And they've been like this for a bit. I've been saying this from the start. They cannot do the little things. This team just doesn't do it. They just don't do the little things. They rely so much, so much on hitting home runs. And How many times this year are we going to have these mistakes fundamentally? It's disgusting. It is. And that was game two. Now, if you're watching the podcast, unfortunately, on YouTube, I forgot to to go to the game two slide, and I was just on the game one slide that entire fucking time, but who cares? You know, game two, Hicks had three hits. Uh, The Yankees did not hit a homer. Stanton led in RBIs with two um, and then again, Tyone, a very short outing again, three and two thirds, um, lets up five earned runs and he strikes out just three, um, three. And then the, the bullpen, you know, you got Lucas Litke, um, who else? You have Sessa and, uh, one more, it was, a uh, Abreu pitching and, you know, that was the rest of the way they go four and a third. So. Game 2. That was fucking game 2. Now we get to game 3 and the Yankees lose this afternoon once again. Another bad loss. Another one where the offense is just the lineup's completely dead. Um the pitching once again dog shit. And it's the same old song and dance. We lose this one 5-4. to four. The final game in Dunedin. It started promising. You know, Judge belts his first of two homers in the first inning off of... Uh, Ross Stripling was, was a late scratch. It was uh, Zoich. So he hits a home run, a solo shot in the first. And that was the first time all year the Yanks scored in the first inning, which I think is, you know, big. That's usually how they usually... Get their runs is they get off to really hot starts in the past. They've been doing that, and I think that's crucial. But you know they usually do really good in the first inning, uh, and that that also helps struggling pitchers gain some confidence. But um, in this one, it didn't. Uh, you had Kluber very unspectacular once again, uh, another night where a Yankee starter cannot give you innings, and he does not give length, going just four innings. And letting up six hits and eventually three runs. Um, outside the Judge homers, you know, outside his two home runs, the Yanks had just three fucking hits um, outside of Aaron Judge. Just three hits. So, again, no support for their starting pitching. But still, it got to be better if you're a Kluber. I mean, he labored in the first inning. And then he got tagged for a two-run shot in the second inning. You know, D, uh, DJ Khaled another fucking base hit and then Kirk hits the bomb and then you got Bichette going for two home runs he hits his first of the day in the third inning to make it 3-2 to two J's then the Yankees answer back in inning 4 um you know Judge goes deep again and this one's about 4-30 dead center shot Guardy then walks, Torres gets the double and Gio the big two run single to put the Yankees up 4-3 to three. Sixth inning comes, and, you know, Johnny Lasagna, who's been pitching to a zero right this year. Uh, base hit, base hit, hit by pitch on Kirk. So the bases are juiced, no outs, and here's this guy, um, Palacio again. He grounds into a force out at home, but then a wild pitch that Higgy couldn't handle, probably should have handled, Scores of the tying run four to four. The following couple of innings, O'Day and, and Wilson, you know, rock solid, rock solid in the seventh and in the eighth. But you had the Yankees top of the eighth here. I thought it was a perfect opportunity to get DJ LeMayu, who was not playing because again, we focused so much on rest in a 162 during game twelve. DJ, I, I thought it was the perfect opportunity to pinch hit Bruce. For DJ in the 8th inning. It's it's a a tight game in the 8th. A tie game. It's a tie game in the 8th inning. It was a remarkable opportunity here. It would have been perfect. DJ plays first. So you don't have to make all these defensive substitutions. And switch around the infield. But again. Nope. He does not. He sticks with the. Probably not even Mendoza hitting. I don't know. I got to check. Jay Bruce. And. He does not come through. He does not come through. And again that just it shows you how little the Yankees care of the regular season emphasizing rest in its every bit. They just don't they they have this entitled mentality where they think okay, we're going to be there in October, so let's just do everything we do in the regular season. Let's just rely rely on getting hot whenever the fuck it happens, but we're going to keep doing our things. Our strategies are going to keep being based off of saving us for the long term because we're so fucking focused on that that we're not even going to try to press hard for, for putting a good product out there. There's, just no, there's no urgency. There's no urgency in wanting to be great from game one of the regular season to the end of a fucking tober. The bottom of the ninth comes and that's where Green hangs that curveball to Bo Bichette and he gets his second fucking homer of the game. Jays walk it off. Only good thing about that is you don't have to hear that fucking horn at Rogers Center because we're in Dundon. D- see, that's what I said, Dundon. That's what I was saying the fir- in the in a couple of episodes ago that I didn't want to say because it's embarrassing. Uh, in Dunedin, in Dunedin, um, fucking Bichette walks it off, and the Yanks walk, walk you know walk off the field with their heads down, and two out of three. And you know what's the most scary thing about this? Usually early in the seasons. If we have one of these kinds of losses. I will feel that shit in my gut. I will feel that. It will ruin my mood. My day. My night. My weekend. My week. But this year. Nothing. That happened. And I I just shrugged it off. I went up to get a snack. Something to eat. I went outside. I opened my laptop. And I did some homework. That is what I did. Usually that happens. I will throw shit. I will it will again, it will ruin my mood. Actually ruin my mood. My family used to joke with me about that because it, i I had the Yankees depict my day. Now if they lose, I I don't even like it's maybe it's because I'm maturing or maybe it's just because I'm so fucking used to this team being the exact same team they always are. And I'm just not shocked by it anymore. This shit just does not move me because I'm so used to it. I am so used to this shit. Regardless it's bad. It's definitely concerning. And if you say you are not concerned, you are a terrible liar. <laughs> it's okay to be a bit concerned. The Yankees are losing all these games to division rivals so far. So that makes it worse. And it doesn't get easier. You have to f- they have to face their fathers this weekend at Yankee Stadium. Tomorrow's a travel day, but they have to face their fathers once again. Just one series removed. And it's and it's Glass now. It's Tyler Glass now who's been rolling so far. And we're going to have, what, either King or a bullpen day? A bullpen day? Or Michael King is going to start against Glass now for us? Um, Davey tossed four innings and something. And had 76 pitches earlier today. So you could you could eliminate him. So you consider all that. And the Red Sox are streaking right now. They, they, they're they going off for eight in a row at the moment. Uh, the Rays on us. The Jays look as hungry as ever. They're a good, solid young core in the Ups. Kind of reminds me like the Yankees in 2017. Before they had all these expectations. Uh, y- y- yeah, just you want this team to get it together man you want them to get it the fuck together I don't know what else to say here you know and I hope that if they get it together when they get it together it doesn't come with them just hitting a bunch of homers and relying on the bullpen to bail out the rotation I, I hope it comes where they're actually doing they're playing real baseball Right? And they're not getting away with wins just because the homers bail them out. Right, And they're not continuing to make errors and continuing to get caught on the base paths and continuing to give them these four and a third mediocre outings and they're starting pitching. But I hope they win games because their rotation starts stepping up. Or their lineup starts coming through in those situational at-bats. Or their defense starts picking it up a bit. I hope that's how they start winning games. You know? But I'm just sick of complaining about the same old things every year. You know, it's not a two-week frustration thing. I'm not mad about these 12 games that we've played. No, no, no. It's been, again, it's a three-year thing. I've been mad about this shit since 2018, 2019, and then 2020 happened. So if it's the same exact team with the same exact issues year after year after year, who do you think that falls on? Putting the same exact team together. Do I even need to say the name? And I'm not one of those idiots who say fire him, blah, blah, blah. But I do think this guy is overrated a bit. I do think Cashman is good. He's a good GM. But I do think there's a bit of overrating here. I think there are some things you could have done to get this team a lot better. But for some reason, they're trying to sell you that this team, with the same pitching problems, with the same situational hitting problems, fundamental issues like defense and base running from previous years, year after year, if they're trying to sell you that this team is going to win a World Series like this, you're drinking that Kool-Aid. Again, you're a sheep. You are a sheep. A sheep. I mean, they were hyping up Jay Bruce and Door and, and, and on Yes the other day. Like, like these two has-beens were going to save us. But that's the thing. As soon as we made that Jay Bruce signing, I was like, oh, another guy who strikes out and hits home runs. Same thing with Odor. Is that what we really need? Or should we try and go get guys who, like LeMahieu or like Nerschella, know how to hit the baseball? I'll even throw Judge in there, because while he strikes out a ton, at least he gets on base. At least he has, you know, a bat that can hit over 270 I'm just, I'm tired of it, dude. I'm just, it's its so exhausting to me. And then we have to sit and watch these pressers and Boone put his positive spins on everything. We'll be okay. It'll be like this. You wonder why this team is so laid back and entitled on the field. And the, the way they look, it just looks like they don't give a shit. You wonder why. <sighs> We're going to have to break one last time. Be right back. So really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just so... I'm exhausted. I shouldn't, shouldn't be exhausted 12 games in. Nobody should. Nobody should. But it's the same bullshit. It's the same shit. I don't know. I get it. I get it. We usually get off to slow starts. And, you know, I was probably this frustrated a couple years ago. But something about this feels a little bit different. I'm not going to lie. Something about this feels a little bit different. Like this team, more and more, year more and more every year, it feels like this team gets more entitled. They just feel like they know they're going to be there in the end. And, you know, maybe it's, it's with, you know, we say, we say like, oh, we usually get off to slow starts, but like, I'm concerned because I have last year on my mind. Last year, the Yankees finished the season, what, four, maybe five games over 500 and barely slid into the playoffs. And thanks to the, the, uh, what was it, couple extra teams rule, six extra playoff teams. I mean, it's not crazy to be, again, it's not crazy to be concerned at all. They're not playing a good brand of baseball. They're not. When you have a team that looks this good on paper, you should not be five and seven. I don't care how early it is. These hot starts can hurt you later when you're trying to win a division in September it's never about the date to me it's it's just about everything comes back around at one point they did not they did not win the division last year they i don't even think they were the second i don't know i can i can it's so far in the back of my fucking mind now i don't remember but they were really mediocre and in the playoffs they, they proved that by getting eliminated in the first round i don't consider that cleveland series a round i don't um Yeah, so everybody, everybody looks really bad. And again, I I think at some point, the offense, the bats will come around. But I'm really, really, really concerned about the starting staff. Because again, I said it, guys. I said it. I said you have Corey Kluber, who's a 35-year-old. Hasn't pitched much in the last two years. Would it be crazy if he pitched like that? No. Would it be crazy if James Centaillon, a 29-year-old coming off two Tommy John surgeries, who also hasn't pitched much in the last two seasons, if he struggled? No. Would it be crazy if Domingo Herman, a year removed from playing baseball, he struggled? No. You know, Jordan Montgomery a solid pitcher, but does anybody consider him a two or a one a or B to Cole? No, he's a solid three, solid four. So there's nobody, nobody in this staff after Garrett Cole, you look at and go, Oh, that's their, that's their, their Robin. That's the sidekick to, to Batman. <laughs> there's not one guy that you look at right now and you're confident in, you know? So when I was talking about that, that, low floor, high ceiling staff heading into the year, this is what I meant. This is exactly what I meant. And not to say I prefer a staff with a lower ceiling and a higher floor, but I just don't prefer any extremity. I just want more guys who are talented and that you know you're going to get that talent producing. And we don't have that. We do not have that with this Yankees team right now, this Yankee rotation. And with that said, this bullpen with with a bunch of Joe Schmoes in it, how long is that going to hold up where they're going to have to give this team 15 to 20 outs a night? Do you really expect that to hold up? Because as good as the J-Bats are and the Rays lineup looks, we haven't even faced anybody outside of this division yet. We haven't even faced any legitimate offensive clubs who are in their prime. Like, no. We better hope we turn it around. We better hope Tyone has a breakout season or that Kluber has even just a little bit left in the tank. We better hope. You know, Severino better hope that his path to recovery is quick and no setbacks. And he better hope that when he gets back, that he he too doesn't pitch like a guy who hasn't seen the field in two fucking years. I don't know, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being negative, but it's kind of hard for me to suck up to a team who's five and seven with World Series aspirations. <sighs> Let's get to the question of the day. <laughs> um, so last time out, I asked you guys, since we were talking Knicks in episode 232, what significant moment happened for the Knicks on June 5th of 1999? The answer to that question, what significant moment happened for the Knicks on June fifth of ninety nine? LJ, it was Larry Johnson's four-point play in game three versus the Pacers to win it. Remember, if you're an old school Knicks fan, you know. If you're not a Knicks fan familiar with their past, you probably haven't you probably had no idea what I was talking about. June fifth, nineteen ninety nine, how am I supposed to know? No. Larry Johnson's four point play. Game three against Indiana. They go on to miss that final shot. The buzzer. The Knicks take the 2-1 to lead in the series. So, yes, the answer, Larry Johnson's four-point play was that big, significant moment on June 5th, ninety nine. Now, this episode, episode 233, our NYYNYK question of the day. Brought to you by Anchor, the best way to make a podcast. You can go make a podcast yourself on Anchor by going to their website, anchor.fm, or downloading the Anchor app on your phone, and you can create a podcast right on that platform. So easy to do. You can edit it, publish it, record it right on their website or app. Anchor. It's free to sign up and do, and it's easy, convenient. They even pay you for reading an advertisement just like I'm doing right now. So guys, go and download that Anchor app. Um, Babe Ruth holds the American League record for the most consecutive years leading the league in home runs. Okay, Babe Ruth holds the American League record for the most consecutive years leading the league in home runs. How many years was that? All right, so how many years did Babe Ruth lead the league in home runs in consecutively? All right, a small teensy bits, beansy tiny hint, teensy-weensy hint. It bridged from one decade into the next. All right, so that is our hint. That is our NYY NYK question of the day. Um. So, yeah. That was our question. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Once again, if you haven't subscribed to BD4 yet, what are you doing? (laughs) You can subscribe to this podcast on many platforms. You can go on, you know, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor. Uh, You can watch us on YouTube if you like watching the video format of the podcast. And there's many more. There are many more outlets as well. Um, if you want to follow me on social media. I'm on there. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. In order to do that. And follow my blog. You can do all that. That I just mentioned. By just simply going to my link tree. So if you go to my link tree. And I'm sure you've heard it by now. e forward slash RJ Carbone. If you do that. That will take you to all those platforms and websites and, you know, where to reach me and follow me at. All right. It's where you find the blog link. It's where you find the links to my social media and the link that takes you to my podcast. The many different ones. The link. The many different links to uh, all the podcast platforms where you can find BD4 where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's it for me. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, with episode 233 of BD4, the Yanks get bitched in Dunedin. (laughs) And now we head home to Yankee Stadium to hopefully not get bitched by the Rays. Can we get a sweep? Can we get a sweep for a change? I mean, this team owns us, but that would be a nice turnaround. Certainly would. So we'll see what happens. Um... But yeah, I've never thought I'd see the day where uh, the Knicks would be a more fun team to watch than than the New York fucking Yankees. All right, thanks guys so much, and I I'll see you next time. This this is so fucking boring to watch this Yankees team. <laughs> Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.